Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's episode, we have Severe Dar, managing partner at Dar Legal Group, a budding law firm based right here in St. Louis and, and serving clients all over the country. Severe is a good friend of mine, and I can pretty much guarantee there's going to be a joke or two at each other's expense in this episode. Uh, but as much as we like to give each other a hard time, I have to admit, I don't know anyone more passionate about helping others than this guy. He's worked in the space of mass tort and ultimately employee safety for years, and has recently hung his own shingle in that same space. He's been referred to as the Robin Hood for cancer patients, making sure that employees that have been unfairly put in harm's way get the justice they rightfully deserve. He's built and led teams with a focus on intentional communication. While skilled in collaboration and conflict resolution, he also values efficiency. Severe believes that the principles and foundation that make a great team have been influential throughout his life. His personal and professional life lessons have reinforced that most team success comes down to the people and a little luck. He's very committed to contributing and adding to organizations professionally and through volunteering that have a growth mindset commitment to their people, and are dedicated to having an impact in and for our communities. HR folks, while one of the nicest guys you'll meet, Severe will be your nightmare if you don't keep your people safe. So with no further ado, let's get into it. Severe, welcome to the show. John, how you doing, man? I'm excited to be here. I've been hearing you talk about how you're the best podcaster in St. Louis <laughs> for the last two years, so I'm excited to finally be here. And by the way, if I'm if I'm the Robin Hood, then I'm the Kevin Costner Robin Hood, which makes you like that wicked witch who's like boiling eyeballs. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've probably watched that. Remember movie. that? Yeah, I've probably watched that movie 150 times. That doesn't surprise me about you, John. Nothing that surprises me about you. To start, I, I gave a light bio for you, but can you detail a bit more about your experience to date? Kind of how you gotten to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So again, in all honesty, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So I heard what kind of what you mentioned. I'm an attorney. I, you know, the way I like to kind of joke about it and keep it light is that we do Aaron Brockovich type of, you know, that movie Aaron Brockovich. We do a less Hollywood version of that, right? So we represent folks who have unfortunately now been diagnosed with some kind of terminal disease or some type of terminal cancer because they've been exposed to, to something pretty bad at work, right? So if you think about benzene, you think about diesel exhaust, you think about asbestos, right? So those are the folks that we represent and, and we practice kind of throughout the country. I'm licensed in uh, Missouri, Illinois, Arizona, and have done a lot of work out in California as well, which is a whole different animal, to be honest with you. But yeah, I'm excited to be here and, and excited to talk about safety and how we can all become a little bit more safe just not only at work, but just generally. Safety is something bigger than, and we'll get into this, but it, it kind of, you can't, I, I don't think you can have a good company culture or have a good place for people to work 
without a with, without safety baked into the core of it. So I think this is an important topic and and something that'll be kind of fun to unpack more and more. Yeah, man. And and I completely agree with you. You know, to your point, you're not going to find a company that's got a great culture, but that where their employees feel unsafe. Just, I mean, you're not going to find it. Uh, and people can try to do it, but you're not going to find it. And and really what I think safety, you know, safety is uh, it's a hot word, right? It's a magic word. It's a lot like data where it can mean so many different things to so many different people. Right. But but I think at the root of really what safety is, it's it's communication, right? It's letting people know that, hey, we're doing our best to keep you safe. And if and when we find things that can be a problem, we're going to communicate that in a in a completely efficient and and comprehensive manner, timely, so on and so forth. I mean, at, the, at its most fundamental level, I think that's really what safety is, is just really, really good communication with with people and employees. And that was something I wanted to dig into a, a little later, but while we're talking about it now, let's let's just get into it. What what does good communication look like in a company? I know communication is something you're you're passionate about in general, whether that's personal relationships, whether that's professional relationships, whether that's workplace relationships. What does good communication look like? What does bad communication look like? And and how does that tie to the the culture of a company? Yeah. So, you know, one of my favorite quotes, you know, I'm a fan of quotes, right? But one of my favorite quotes is the greatest thing about communication is the illusion that it exists, right? So I think we all think that we're really, really good communicators and that we're doing a good job. But at the end of the day, right, it is, it's got to be baked into our DNA, right? And I think one of the issues with safety and and communication is it's thought of as a silo, but it really needs to be thought of strategically, right? Communication starts very much in in kind of the hiring process. Are you getting people, are you hiring folks that are coming on board that are also committed to communicating, right? Who is communicating is is part of the issue as well. How are they doing it? When are they doing it? I think all these different factors factors go into it, right? And I think one of the things that that I think companies, especially kind of what we've seen in the litigation that we do, and I think this does translate to to other industries is that communication and especially when it comes to safety, it's almost, sometimes it's almost thought of as like a checkbox or a checklist, right? As in, okay, I'm obligated or by law, I have to let people know that there's this dangerous toxin. So I'm just going to put a sign on the wall that says, Hey, be careful. There's a dangerous toxin. I mean, yeah, technically that's communication, but I think we can all agree there's a lot more that could have that could be done in a situation to you know to truly communicate what the safety issues are or what they could be right and that requires people being committed to the people number 1 truly caring about their safety it requires people consistently telling their employees about what the issues are right but a lot of times also what we see is and this is kind of in the litigation in in the, in the space of some of the litigation that we work in, where there's a lot of corporate bad actors, if you will, where there are organizations that know that something is dangerous, and they are trying to figure out how they can continue to use this substance while at least warn their employees enough, mm. right? And one of the things that that we really see 
and this is, you know, this is the name of the game for, for a lot of, not every company, right. But for there's, there's a significant number of organizations that kind of think like that, if you will. And, and really what we see is that a lot of those decision makers, they're not thinking about their employees the same way they would think about themselves. And, And what I mean by that is if these decision makers would have asked themselves, what kind of information would I like to have in order to feel safe working around this substance or these substances? It's never thought of that way, right? And and we've got documentation. I've seen documents that really support this, where a lot of their decision-making is, what do we have to do to make those people feel safe? And, you know, and that comes down to communication, that comes down to empathy, right? And these are a lot of the the, the terms, if you will, and a lot of the topics that are being talked about, you know, certainly more more recently when it comes to leadership and and, yeah. and good organizations and company culture, right? And and safety is just a byproduct of that. At the end of the day, it's 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 not something. It's not a. It's not something that needs to exist in a silo. And if it does, I can't guarantee anything. But if your safety mindset lies in a silo you got some problems most likely, right? You probably do because it needs to be ingrained into, into the organization, you know? Well, it's on, on the first episode of this podcast, I, I had a gentleman who runs a manufacturing company in in Wisconsin and you you get like 200 million views after your first podcast. Yeah. I think it was something like that. 250, 300 mil, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah his whole philosophy is the idea of servant leadership. And it's really this idea of like, when it's all boiled down, it's really the golden rule, which we're all taught at a young age, like treat others as, as you would want to be treated, do unto others as you would want done unto you. And and I think that's empathy. Like I was listening to a podcast last night and it's kind of a description that I've, I've read in books in the podcast I was listening to last night, it, it came up, but like empathy is walking up to someone who has fallen in a hole and instead of just like putting a ladder down to help them get out, it's putting a ladder in climbing down in with them and then coming out together. And I think that's That's what, that's what, like when it comes to this communication piece, it really is as simple as like, put yourself in their shoes. Like, what would you want to know? What would you not want to know? Yeah, that's right. And, 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 you know, sometimes what's not thought about and is that you know, if you start to think and start to tar- start to game out, if you will, what ends what ends up happening if you do take shortcuts and you don't communicate, especially when it comes to safety, right? When you don't communicate correctly, and that is the liability, and I mean that legally, but I also mean that ethically. I mean that from talent retention. I mean that from all those different areas is always going to be greater than you think. It always will, because somebody is going to get hurt worse than you think, or more people are going to get hurt than you think. People are going to see others getting hurt. And if you had a good company culture, right, or if you have one, you really only need one incident where people feel like they weren't being communicated to correctly and something tragic happens to really undo all of the work that was put in to create that good company culture. Right. I mean, it's you cannot put a price on that. And as certain, you know, I know you you've got a lot of employees and you got a growing, you've had a growing business. And I know a lot of employers are the same way when it comes to retaining talent. 
and keeping people on board that that you know provide value and do good work and so on and so forth at the at the root level what they want right is they want to get pay, treated fairly they want to get paid fairly but they want to be communicated to fairly and yeah. that you know i think a lot of times when we talk about having empathy or do unto others as you'd have done to yourself right i think a lot of times we hear those things and we think that means that we're now soft or we have to we have to communicate everything or we have to turn the other cheek every time and that's not what that means that means you can stand up for yourself and you can you don't have to open up the books and show everything to everybody but you got to be you got to do enough and that's really what empathy is is just put yourself in that person's shoes and try to look at and, and analyze the situation from that. It doesn't mean you go become that person. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you got to open up your house and say, you're welcome to anything you want now, right? That's not what that means, right? It just means that it's a more equitable and it's a fair relationship. That's all that means. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and and in the long run, you're going to benefit from it, certainly because you're going to have better employees, you're going to have safer employees. And you're going to have less liability, right? And and I mean that again from a legal, but also ethical, talent retention, and so on and so forth. So HR suite now is being viewed, and and rightfully so, and and admittedly way too many years late in my opinion. But HR roles are now looking being looked at as more of a strategic position as they should be. I mean, when you think about it, if you don't have people, I mean, you could have all the robots in the world, you can have whatever, but at the end of the day, you still have to have some people running these organizations and becoming a more, it's being viewed more and more as strategic as it should be. Safety as a strategic decision. Talk about that a bit. You know, I'm not sure businesses look at safety as strategic. I think it's like the thing they or a lot of companies just need to check the box, but how can they take it a step further? Yeah, sure. So so I think what ends up what sometimes what happens, right? And and, and I'm gonna speak kind of just in the manufacturing space, if you will. Yeah, no, and, that, yeah, that's perfect. And my experience, certainly with the litigation, is with generally pretty large corporations, right, that have been around for a several number of years and and a lot of the stuff certainly when it comes to asbestos and some things like that where work was done in the 60s 70s 80s and even in the 90s right and and, and there are laws now that ban some of those chemicals but not all right but I still but had it in my south city house I had a whole I had a whole lot of it from Libby Montana That's right if you if you've been born you know, before 1985, you have been exposed to asbestos. It's just that there was so much of it used. And frankly, I think one of the big misconceptions about it is that it's been banned and it has not. I mean, right. currently the EPA right now is considering whether or not to ban it. But we've known for decades about how dangerous it is. And, and that in itself, that little anecdote, I think, tells you a lot about kind of safety, if you will. I mean, there is no reason at all that asbestos should be being used except for one. And that is because it's profitable for certain companies to use it, right? And just tell you, I mean, that that in itself from, and this is about policy and whatnot, but it really tells you about where safety has been, if you will, and, and how it's viewed in relation to profit, right? 
And, and that kind of ties into kind of what you had asked, which is what we have seen. And there's a, you know, there are documents that support this for certain organizations. I, I by no means am I saying this is how every company operates because it's not, but there are some companies that have operated like this. And that is they make a strategic decision about a certain product to sell, if you will. After those decisions have been made, then it gets down to the middle management, if you will, right? It's how do you now make this product safe? Well, if it's fundamentally unsafe, like asbestos, maybe that should have been thought about strategically in the front end and instead of let's make this product and then somebody else can figure out about safety. If the conversation could have been, is this stuff safe? Maybe that product wouldn't have been made that same way. Maybe there could have been other people that could have been involved that talked about alternatives to asbestos, for example, which there were, right? They may have been a little bit more expensive, but they also didn't have the liability that asbestos came with, right? And so that's one small way, right, I think, where safety can be talked about and thought about strategically. It's a lot like, you know, if you take HR, you know, you just mentioned that HR is now talked about strategically. It's because on the forefront, right, or the tip of the spear, if you will, of where these conversations have been happening or where these ideas generate from, it's that HR is involved and HR issues are involved at that step in the process instead of down the road. Yeah, Safety should be that same thing. It doesn't mean it's got to control everything, but it's at least got to be a part of the conversation. So when unsafe issues need to come up, that it's aired out and talked about on the front end of, of the conversation. Sorry, I know well, that's a long way of getting to the point, but. Well, yeah, I, I, I told, I warned everyone early on, you would not be efficient. So um, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. You bring out the worst of me, John, what can I say? Well, that's what friends do. A big reason these things are becoming strategic is because businesses have their backs against the wall, right? HR is strategic for a long time. Wasn't looked at, at like that because the businesses held so much of the power. Um, they had the paycheck. It was an era where people didn't really bounce from job to job. They went somewhere, they stayed. Um, it almost was like they owed it to the company. I think in the past, I mean, definitely, definitely during COVID, but I mean, even, even further back than that, we have started to, that shifted. It's the power has gone back into the people in a lot of ways. So all of a sudden and magically, businesses start taking their people people more seriously, right? It's funny how that happens. Throw safety is the same way. Now that there are repercussions to business, all of a sudden safety starts getting looked at differently. And it's it's a shame that it takes these things for these realizations to happen. Um, I guess the silver lining is it's it's still progress and and it still, you know, has a more but let me point this out real quick, which is I think you're right. But at the same time, it does need to be pointed out that there have been numerous organizations at all different sizes in all different parts of the economy that were safe organizations, even before the pandemic, Absolutely. that Absolutely. For, for decades have been safe companies, right? And so this, yes, it is certainly being talked about and it's being integrated, if you will, at a larger scale now, right, within organizations. But that's not to be said 
that there haven't been organizations that knew how to do this and were doing it the right way because there were and there have been and there continued to have been right but but again that lets us know and the only reason I'm pushing back is because we should not assume that this is something that's novel to your point it's something that now is being taken seriously by some whereas it was being taken seriously by others for a much longer time right and I, I totally and we've agree. got to make sure we keep we keep those details separate right because not every put it this way not every chemical manufacturing company is poisoning its employees it's not true no there are some that are right but, right there, are, there many are many more that do it right exactly exactly right and 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 that you know, and when we start when we start to kind of look at it that way, then it absolutely makes sense, right? That that both sides of this equation have been present for a long time, both safe and unsafe. Now it makes sense because it's happening at a larger scale, or it's at least it's under a magnifying glass. How that also affects talent, right? Yep. Being able to retain talent and what employees do or don't want to hear. And you know, the thing is, is Safety means, like I mentioned, for the way I kind of see it, it's like data, right? I mean, you say the word data to somebody, it means a million different things. Safety is like that as well. And safety in some organizations doesn't mean necessarily being poisoned. It does mean, you know, people feeling like they can come to work and just feel safe, whatever that means to that person. And, I'll, you know, and I'll add this real quick, John, because I know you and I kind of talked about this before. And it's I think it's a great anecdote, if you will, about kind of the bind, if you will, some organizations are in and how even the greatest of intentions, if they're not communicated properly or in the right way, can potentially still create liability. Right. And that is I got a I, and, I, and I've told you this right, but for but for the two hundred and fifty or three hundred million viewers that you have or listeners, listeners. they can they can listen uh, to this also, right? Yeah, they're, but, they're friends uh, of the pod. We call them friends of the pod in the business. Oh, pod friends. Okay, yeah, so the two hundred fifty million pod friends. So I got a call from a buddy of mine, right? And I'm not going to say his name. We'll just call him Poopy. How about that? All right. Okay. So so Poopy gives me a call one day, and he says, "Hey, he's got his own. He's got his own company. He employs." about 35 or 40 people. He's kind of in this tech. Um, he's a tech recruiter. He's kind of in that space, if you will. Right. So he calls me up and he says, Hey, you know, we are, we're, we're thinking about kind of launching this little initiative. I know there's a lot of diversity and DEI initiatives and whatnot going on. We're really proud of the fact that our organization is diverse, you know, so on and so forth. But we're trying to get some more just kind of information about kind of where we all are, if you will, so we can kind of promote this. And he says, and Poopy says, you know, I'm thinking about sending out a survey and just essentially asking people to identify how they identify themselves, right? And in all these different demographics, if you will. Now, his intent was... And I can tell you this because I because I know him. I know who he is, right? And I can vouch for him, even though his name is Poopy, right? But I know that he was truly proud of this, and 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 they they were they were trying to get this information so they could say, look, as an organization, this is something that we value, and and you know, this is something that we have been committed to and are continuing to be committed to, and we want to know how we can always get better, so on and so forth. Right. 
But what I mentioned to him was, you know, and this is, I think, kind of where the empathy and not to say that he wasn't not empathetic, but he really kind of wasn't putting himself in that in, in, in some of these employees shoes, which is. If you at any point in this organization. Identify a certain way as whatever I'm bald, I'll just say I get a survey. Right. And I identify <laughs> as bald. You, you are and definitely sudden, bald. Right. I'm bald ding. I'm not bald. I saw you're, a lot you're of as bald as it's against, not as buddy. much as you. No, balding. There's a huge difference. Trust me, I'm an expert on this. Anyway, so, right, I get a survey that says, how do you identify? And I put, I'm bald, right? Or I'm balding. And, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, I feel like there's a bunch of people making balding jokes or whatnot. I'm now going to start connecting certain dots that may not even need to be connected, right? The fact that I got this survey and I said, this is who I am. Him, and then all of a sudden I start hearing these things, if you will, you see what I mean? And so, yep. and kind of what I mentioned to, to Poopy, if you will, was, look, what, what you're trying to do makes sense, but what you're also trying to do is you're trying not, you're trying to do it mostly the right way. And that is you're trying to send out the survey and you're trying to get enough information from enough people to do this when there are people out there that can do this for you, right? They know how to do it the right way, if you right. will, and you'll avoid like hire the experts. some of these things, right? But again, hire the experts. But again, if that's if Poopy and his friends would have, or, or next time, I should say it this way: the next time if Poopy and his friends talk about this more at the strategic level, then they will never have to call a friend who's an attorney and say, hey, man, this is what we're thinking about doing. What do you think? Because it will have all been aired out and talked about on the front end. Right. And and, and I think that's just a very, very, it's anecdotal, certainly. But I think you can take out uh, a DEI safety issue, if you will. Yeah. And add in a you know a chemical exposure safety issue in that same exact type of scenario. Back to the DEIA, you know, kind of topic, and and you know, it, it also ties to safety. It ties to a variety of things. I mean, during COVID, we had people with different stances on different things, obviously. But you know, I, and and I also know. I'm actually surprised you haven't brought up the fact that you've run an Ironman and that you played college basketball because those are typically the two things that you introduce yourself with. I appreciate you saying that and telling your 250 million viewers, but, yeah, I, but I don't ever say that. I know you're someone who understands the importance of strong morale, um, which I think ties to yeah. letting an employee bring their whole self to work. How do you how do you see companies doing this in a productive way? Again, we're straying a little from the safety topic here, but it it also does apply. I mean, and I think COVID was a time when we all learned that different people have very strong opinions on different things, but that's part of their whole self. How does a company do that right? How does that tie to strong morale? Speak to that. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I one of the things that's really interesting, if you will, so in in malpractice cases, so if you look at medical malpractice cases, if you look at legal malpractice cases, regardless of when or why something went wrong, right? 
One of the first things that people say when they are suing a lawyer because for what because the lawyer messed up or they're suing a doctor because they think the doctor messed up, one of the first things they say is he or she either didn't call me back or he or she did not tell me about this. It's the first thing, right? And so I think all that speaks to is communication, right? So allowing someone to bring their whole self to work is talked about and part of the conversation when you are hiring folks, you are setting clear expectations about what is and what is not appropriate, right? And so nobody, I don't, I'm certainly not someone who believes that everybody who is working for an organization should be able to come in and do whatever they want, however they want, whenever they want. I don't think you can run an organization like that. There has to be some guidelines. There has to be some parameters, if you will. But then if if you're bringing the right people in, and this comes to communication, it comes to interviewing, it comes to the hiring process, then you fundamentally trust that the people that are coming in have subscribed to whatever guidelines you've been, that you've clearly outlined and said, this is what we expect. Within these guidelines, you can do what you need to do to get the job done. And you trust people to do that. I've heard you say so many different times, right? And these are some of the quotes that you hear others say, other business leaders, which is, there's no point of hiring a good person and then telling them what to do, right? There's no point of hiring a talented person and then telling them what to do. Well, what that speaks to is trust. It's completely counterproductive. It's, yeah, and it's, it's so destructive in so many different ways, right? More than just you're going to undermine your own profit margin, right? It's so destructive for so many different re- reasons. But that same mentality, I think, is really what we're talking about here, which is this is what we expect. And I've clearly talked about this and I've clearly outlined and, and set out what my expectations are, if you will, as the employer or as the boss or whatever we want to call it. But I'm trusting you because you're X, Y, and Z type of person. So go get, go get the work done. And I'm here to help you get your job done. End of story. Like it doesn't have to be complicated, right? It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be simple. Yeah. That really ties back to the idea of servant leadership and that idea of like, the best thing I can do at my business is do whatever I can to let the people I've hired do their best work. If nothing else, it's just a numbers game. It's a multiple, it's a multiple, right? If you have 10 people and they're equipped to do that, they can do 10 X what you can. And, and honestly, my, our people can do a lot more than that because they're doing things that I just, it's, (laughs) it's above my pay grade, so to speak. Like I just, it's not my expertise. Um, I'm not a designer. I I don't, yeah. I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks. I know how to write code or I don't know how to write code. So like, I can't do that. So why would I try to micromanage them? I, I just have never really understood that. Any, uh, any trends you're seeing in your space that those in the manufacturing ecosystem should be paying attention to in terms of, well, I mean, it could be communication. It could be tied to the culture of safety, just in general, kind of from, from, the, from the desk of Severe Dar Esquire. <laughs> what kind of trends how to make the world a safer place yeah. yeah you know i think really what it you know i think really what it comes down to is 
the the organizations I think that are that are doing a really great job and and even just a better job, if you will, about safety and, and whatnot, what they've really done is they've started to commit to a comprehensive safety plan, if you will, right? So they've gotten kind of past the the checklist version of it. And I think, right, and and that's not because it it's certainly not because you know, they just got sued and, and, and all of a sudden it's like, well, we got to change our behavior. So now we're going to commit to our people. Right. I don't, I don't think it's that. I think, you know, we can't take away people's experiences just because they're at work. COVID and, and this experience has changed the way I think we all live our lives. It certainly changed the way we work. Right. But I think what, I think what COVID has also taught a lot of people and people who happen to also be managers and business owners and so on and so forth is that there's a very, very, very thin line when it comes to safety between the white collar folks and the blue collar folks. Oh, and yeah. that's really what COVID taught us. I mean, COVID taught us that, you know, we all may have different pay grades and we all live in different areas and we all, all those things. And no one's trying to discount that. But at the end of the day, that shit can get taken away in a second. And, and in order for us, right. And, and, and we saw so much destruction in so many different ways, not only COVID, but then what COVID created and what the, the, what manifested as a result of that, right. It showed us that this is not just about dollars and cents. It's dollars and cents. And we can have a safe, and good yep. place to work and make money. We can make money and have a good and safe place to work. There's no reason why these well, things are mutually exclusive. There's no, no reason and, for that. And if anything, it's just an investment. It's it's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, the cost of onboarding and offboarding folks and turnover is is just off the charts. There's all sorts of different mathematical formulas as to what it can cost, but I mean, it's significant. So why wouldn't, I mean, A, it's just the right thing to do. And we all know that. But God, even just the business case alone for it, you would hope would turn some of these, like some of these people who are maybe trying to cut corners to make more money, You, if nothing else, like you would hope they would see it from this, this kind of, uh, this viewpoint. But I, I, apparently it doesn't always happen. Well, you know something that's something that's really interesting, and, and and you and I, John, you and I have, you know, we've talked about this just kind of at length, just even in our personal lives and whatnot, right? But the when it comes to safety and communication, it's not any different than than probably the lesson that has been reinforced in my life over and over and over again, both professionally, personally, and I just seem to learn it the hard way, right? This is just a mistake that I've made, and I keep getting taught this lesson which is at the end of the day, you can take the policies and the words and this and that, throw all that shit out the window. It comes down to the people around the table. If you get the right people around the table, you get a little bit of luck, right? You got a chance to make something really, really cool happen. You get one wrong person around the table and it could undermine the whole damn thing. Boys in the well. And really what... That's right. And and really what what I mean by that and how how I think that ties into safety is that if if and this is, I think, what people have done. I mean, this is, I think, what organizations have done, which is 
there may be this thought, okay, yeah, I, I do have this commitment to safety and I do want to either continue to have this great place to work that's continuously evolving and keeping our, our company safe, right? Because safety is a, it's a living, breathing thing. It doesn't, it's not like you're safe on Monday and then every other day is just taken right. account for, right? It's a, it's a commitment, right? But one of the things that I think organizations run into is, yeah, I know how to do that or I want to do that, but how the hell do we do it? We've got to change this and we got to change that. And it doesn't really have to be that. Sometimes all it really requires is getting somebody who you trust that's committed to safety, that knows something that you don't, and just putting them in the table, putting them around the table yep. and letting them speak up and letting them say, well, as the safety expert, if you will, based on these experiences that I've had, you guys aren't thinking about this. And we need to think about this. And that's it doesn't it doesn't require that much. It's literally just giving some opportunity for other people to have some to have a spot at the table that are experts in these in these fields. Is that something you are is that something that is I mean, I think that would be a really fantastic product for a lawyer with your experience to offer. Do you offer safety consultation? Is that something that you plan on doing? Is that even allowed in your space? I have no idea, but that seems so smart to hire the guy that normally comes and gets you for doing wrong and being like, hey, how do I keep you from ever coming in here? Yeah, right. So so here's certainly what what what, what I do, which is, you know, is consult and whatnot in this space. I am not an industrial hygienist, right? I am not a, you know, I'm not a safety medical director. So it's not like I can sit down with let's say Gorilla 76 and say, okay, you guys manufacture these chemicals. These are the types of masks you need to provide. And this is where the poster goes. And this is, gotcha. I don't do that, right? Like th those are the experts you need to go hire that have federal guidelines and whatnot that they need to do. But certainly what I, you know, what I can do is have conversations like this and help organizations at least start to identify and communicate in slightly a different way, right? One of the things that that I like kind of joke around about where I've had a lot of pretty unique experiences in my life. You and I have talked about a lot of these things, right? And a lot of that is is good luck and some of it has been bad luck, if you will. But I've had a chance to kind of learn a lot, if you will, just by going through these experiences with these people. And, and really, I think, really what what i try to do is help fill those gaps if you will because i've been able to you know i've represented blue collar folks if you will throughout the country and in some of the work that i've done i've also worked in you know as an executive and an executive director for an organization so i kind of understand that aspect as well but there's certainly a gap of communication if you will generally speaking between the managers and the workers, right? Or the white collar side and the blue collar side. And that gap is where I think I like to kind of play, if you will, is helping the blue collar and the white collar workers understand yeah. that you guys are on the same team, right? Yeah, that for sure. It, it it requires a little bit of compromise or sacrifice. You can insert whatever words you want. You can call it whatever you want, but it's going to require that. And as a result, you're going to be more safe and you're going to make more money, right? But that makes, I mean, that requires a commitment on both sides. So really that's kind of where I like to yeah. like to play, and man. I, I, I really enjoy the communication, especially amongst people 
and and being in there. So that's really what I think I can kind of offer, right? Yeah, and and I, I, so you're going to get some diversity from that sense. That's true. That's true, and that's important. Every room room needs a needs a bald man in the room. I, I think it's very important. We have a ton of value, and it's underappreciated. Yeah. All right. Well, Sabir, this has been great. How can our listeners learn more, get in touch with you if they want to have a conversation about, you know, maybe improving communication around workplace safety? How can they learn more? Get in touch with you. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, of the 250 million viewers that are out listening to this right now, if not 300 million, you can reach me on, you know, on LinkedIn, Severe Dar. Obviously, through this podcast or whatnot, Dar Legal Group is the name of of the law firm and the organization that that I'm a part of. Um, and those are honestly the best ways to to kind of reach. But I'm always I'm always down to to meet people and to kind of learn more about not only themselves but their businesses, but how we can how we can all start connecting all these different areas that we think are disparate but are actually connected in so many ways. Severe Iron Man finisher and friend of Poopy. It's been great having you on the show. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. I think there was some really, really valuable insights and, you know, just thoughts that, that, that kind of emerged on, on this episode. So thanks for taking the time. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Employer. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Employer Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role the company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.